0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of eCommerce on Tap. That's to you by Sourcify. I'm your host, Nathan Lesnick, And today we're joined by Jason from the iTristan group. Jason, thanks so much for coming on. Nathan,
1: it's a pleasure to be
0: here. So I want to start because I know you you know, really focus on digital transfer- transformation and how do you make these e-commerce businesses more efficient. We were just talking a bit about cash flow and the current situation that a lot of these brands are in. We were talking about NetSuite or SAP and, you know, all those banking systems. What's going on with the macro and economic trends in terms of what's happening with these businesses?
1: You know, the, uh, we don't tend to get the stories, you know, f- f- up front because, you know, businesses don't want to tell us, but, um, there's, you know, there are concerns going on, uh, you know, I think it's more mood. I, I, my sense is that it tends to be mood more than actual, uh, you know, reality in some cases, but mood is, you know, perception is reality so often. Um, so, you know, I can't really speak to the real cash flow situation, but it does seem that there, you know, there, there are concerns that it might be not drying up, but, but easing up. And and uh, so, you know, so from our point of view is to is to you know make things so efficient that business owners you know not that they don't worry but that they at least don't have to worry about uh, you know over oversupplying inventory over keeping inventory and this kinds of things so that's that's what, that's where we come in is how do we optimize this get the stuff out the door.
0: Makes sense. I feel like so many businesses now have too much in inventory, too much cash tied up in inventory. How do we go about? You know, forecasting, especially when the economy changed so quickly, from growing so fast in the e-commerce industry to you know it's still growing a bit, but you know obviously a lot of these brands have slowed down a bit and now I have too much cash and in inventory.
1: Our our position is always you know one ahead of that. Like our position is always in 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 terms of the automation space, the the, the commerce meets supply chain automation space, is to give them the place where they can say uh, in advance, just what you said is it looks like. This is coming up. Like the forecasting has been done. That's that's been done by their supply chain managers, inventory managers, and so forth. But from there out to the to the consumer experience, the customer experience is what do you do about that in advance? And 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 our job is to automate that. Like we want to give the the brand managers, whether it's the marketing managers, the brand managers, and so forth, all the way down that chain. We want to give them the power to uh, uh, to to come out in advance and say, look, let's automate that oversupply if that oversupply is hitting a critical level it's, it's the opposite of, of, of ordering it's it's selling if if, if they're they're past a the critical level of, of of in stock do we need to take action on the customer experience side maybe they should be promoted and maybe we should not be waiting for humans to take action especially in large-scale businesses you want your systems to to push what's necessary so if you have an overstock situation maybe your systems should be able to act on that
0: Makes sense. And I'm curious, I mean, in terms of what you do at the Itrition group, what does that look like? You know, a business comes to you and says, hey, we see a gap in forecasting, we see a gap in our supply chain. You know, we see a gap in terms of how we're shipping our products to our customers. You know, what's kind of your main focal point at Itrition group?
1: Our, making, our main focal point is, is, uh, is in, in that case, is the math. Like what we're looking for is that, you know, in the, in the problem, and, and this, this is kind of one of our philosophies, is let, let's dive into the hard question first. And what is the math behind what, you know, what does it mean to be oversupplied? And, and mathematically, I mean, you, I know, the principles are always the same, but mathematically, each business tends to come to us with slightly different stories and their vision of what is oversupply. Uh, is is just mathematically just a little bit different than the next guy, the next guy, the next guy, even though the principles are the same. So what we want to know is what they define oversupply is as. And if if their if their exposure is at X, uh, you know, 2x, 3x, or even 0.5, we want to know what that means. And once we can get that math figured out, then trickle it all the way up. And then then we can then we can create the 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 situation where where we are responding to that, that's the, that stock situation mathematically and, and build it from there. Cause then from there you can get scale. The moment you define that, that, uh, that, that, that mathematical definition, you can scale. And this is the thing that we find even the, the biggest, Nathan, the biggest businesses, like names, name brands that, you know, um, they aren't doing this. And that's the, I think that's the thing that first kind of hit, hit me. It's like, wait a minute, you guys don't know how to do this. Do you? And, and it was at that point that we realized, okay, we've got to be able to, we've got to define this at scale so you guys can put this into a model that can run, run with it. And it's at that point that we started, you know, seeing, uh, you know, inventory movement at the best time.
0: That's correct. It is an equation and it's such a hard equation because there's so many variables, right? And you're pulling in data from, you know, Shopify into your NetSuite, into your, you know, 3PL partners, you know, logistics panel, and it's hard to, I guess, digest all of that data to forecast and create a formula in a, in a very efficient manner. And so I, I'm curious, I mean, how would you think a brand should go about this if they're facing this type of challenge that you're describing?
1: Uh, it, it, it's strip it down to the first principles as much as possible. You need, you need, especially if you haven't done this ever or haven't done this for a long time in your business, you need to actually bring down the the principles of who decides what and where, just like you said, if, if your, if your ecosystem has only two, two parties, okay, that's one thing. Does it have three? Does it have a four? Do, are you at the mercy of in some cases, are you at the mercy of, of suppliers? And this really started, it really hit hard. Home in, in COVID, Nathan. I mean, you've probably heard this, where supply chains got so disrupted that that uh, it, you know what was an obvious uh, shipment from uh, from China to Los Angeles to you know Kansas uh, turned into a month two month long nightmare. And so, if you go, you know, you can go down your your food chain quite far, but that's the point of what to answer your question is is what are the first principles of what's affecting you. And then once you can figure that out, then you can start building your math from there. And so often businesses are are doing this off of, albeit good wisdom, but human wisdom that can't be quantified, can't, can't be scaled of one person has a sense that, that something is going to come through the port or not. And, and you, and you can't grow like that. It's, it's, it's great to have the strategy, but you can't grow. So our, you know, our experiences in to. Break it down to to the core principles of what you can, and then you can start building your math.
0: Makes sense. I feel like so many people don't have all the variables at once, or it's so dynamic, it's hard to continue to you know what? make a uh, that, that that makes sense over time. And I think that's one of the challenging parts. I know before yeah. when we started recording, we were talking about different tools to try to you know decipher all that information and data. You know, we were talking about Netsuite and SAP and you know, you had mentioned another tool that, that you recommended and just kind of curious, you you know, how do you look at the landscape when it comes to ERP so, solutions in terms of ERP software? And, you know, at what scale should a brand, you know, really be looking at an ERP system like a, you know, NetSuite or SAP or the other one that, that you were recommending?
1: I I, I also mentioned Fulfill. Fulfill. Uh, okay. and, and, Yeah. Um, And so when we tack on to, so when we tack on, uh, you know, our own cell stack, when we tack on this onto something, uh, you know, our perspective is that we try to be agnostic. So we try not to care. But 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 um, to answer your question, the, the key the key thing that we're looking for is what is the interoperability of that platform? And and if you go, you know, more upscale, then of course the answer is it, it is going to be more intra. it's going to be ready to go. So fulfill is a it's a it's lesser known, but it's a very capable modern ERP platform. Uh and it's probably suitable for you know medium operations to jump onto because of its cost and its position. Uh but of course you go up to SAP and and without getting too much into it, and I'm certainly not an SAP guru. Uh, you know, it operates a, a, a very big piece of the very big pie. And that's another thing. But the key thing here is it doesn't matter whether it's SAP, or fulfill or NetSuite, or anything that I'm not thinking of right this minute. The key thing is it is it interoperable in real time. And I can tell you that there's some pretty big names out there that are not they're not formally ERP type platforms at all, but they do operate a significant piece of the, you know, we'll, we'll say, you know, financial operations pie. And it does not have this capability. And, and uh, you know, when you're looking to scale, the, the key thing is, you know, can I ask this, you know, can I ask my platform for my inventory data in real time? Can I do it or not? And can I do it at scale? Can I do it, uh, you know, in multiple ways? And of course, you can spin this around 10 times, um, uh, you know, 10 times over. But the key thing is, can I can can I get this information when I want at scale? And can I do it over and over and over again? And uh, and if the answer is anywhere along that chain, no, then you should probably be considering another move. And beyond that point, I'm not going to be, you know, overly prescriptive because that's, you know, then you get into the supply chain, uh, uh, you know, model that, that that business wants to have. And, and uh, as you said, any of the ones that we just said can be you know, fantastic for a lot of businesses. Uh, the key thing is, are they modern? Or are they ready to scale out? And that's where we come in is bring it and take it out from there and make that experience really work.
0: Makes sense. I mean, I think it's uh, a lot easier said than done in terms of getting that information in real time. I feel like, you know, that's kind of any supply chain leader's dream, but, you know, it's so hard to determine, you know, how many units you have in stock at your different warehouses or where, you know, your container is on a certain you know, c- container ship. I mean, it's really uh, there's so many variables that come in to make sure you have a fluid supply chain. And I think you know, like you said, these systems are really important to make sure you can see the whole picture. But with all the variables, it's I think harder to do it in in, in real time. Um, and I want to you know kind of. Well, it sounds like you're about to say something really, really supposed to go for it.
1: I, I, was, I was, actually, because, yeah, because I, I, I don't want, I want to make sure that I'm not sounding like I'm oversimplifying. This is something that takes time to evolve. Um, there's, a, there's, there's one thing: asking for data in real time and there's an and there's and there's another thing building your mathematical model over availability and so forth but and you just made me think of it is that especially for, for operations with multi, multiple warehouses multiple legit, uh, legal platforms perhaps for different uh, countries regions states and so forth um, these things do evolve and that's okay it's, a, but but it, it, it's all right to have a starting point, and it's a it, and it's all right to also evolve your model to get more and more efficient when it comes to those legal frameworks and regional frame, frameworks and so forth. So the, be be comfortable. It's all right. It's going to take time, and uh, but but you you improve and you start and your team gets comfortable culturally with the model that you are building, and that's when it really starts going
0: make sense let's just kind of flip gears here and talk more on the growth and scale side of it and maybe give us an example of what you know I nutrition group has done to make a supply stream more fluid that enabled more growth i know you know one topic that you like to dive into is understanding how you can you know have a full scope of your data that helps you you know be prepared for growth so really curious you know what you and your team have done on, on that side of the table
1: the uh uh the I mean scale I, i'm not going to get into the definition of scale but um the challenges to so many businesses can can come in different ways and one one uh, uh one that we just talked about was of course multi regional uh whether it's multi uh like um, uh, like localized or or literally legal framework for example alcohol uh sales which we've been involved with uh and you you're literally not allowed to sell alcohol. From ship alcohol from certain states to certain states. And you have to, so we had to get into a supply chain logistic. It wasn't huge, huge scale in, in, in literal shipments, but it was more complex because it didn't matter if you were ordering from California. If the, if the, if the shipment was happening from a certain state, you literally weren't allowed to sh- ship it from there. You have to ship it from a different state to, so, so the, the, the logistics were much more, dare I say, artificial because because it didn't really matter if you lived in the same state as as the business it had to come it had to be shipped from a different state altogether so um so we love diving into those kinds of challenges because you know whether whether we consider it real or not it's real enough And, uh, and, and so in, in that way, it, we love that kind of problem solving because, you know, our sales tech platform and just, you know, uh, uh, us as a, as a group, we, we, we love diving into effectively fixing it and as elegantly as possible to make it really work. And, uh, but the other more obvious one is, is just the scale of operations. And, uh, and, you know, you, you can, if you get it right and in coming back to your, your very, very first question is if you, if you get the, the, the right availability of inventory as um, scaled up as possible, you can move, you can move a lot of merchandise. And, and if you do it well um, with a high performing system uh, you know, we were, we were able to give, you know, one business, their first million dollar day, which they were ecstatic of, you know, they were a, they were a smaller SME. So this was the first time they'd hit that number, and and it's kind of you know they were quite ecstatic to get that. And by by, I'm not going to say accident, but just by constant progression, the following year we gave the same business in a, in Black Friday we gave them their first million dollar hour. And uh, and that kind of blew us away. So it's like, well, that's that's a pretty good that's evolution awesome. within one year. Yeah. yeah, and and but but it. Still comes down to the same principles. Is are you making the right stuff available or enough? Of right. it, enough of it available. Just to be
0: able to forecast and have that inventory available to do, you know, that much volume in an hour is, is incredible in its own way. And especially probably for the managers or owners to be willing to put that much, you know, money in inventory to be able to have the opportunity to do a million dollars an hour in, in sales and their e commerce brand is, is amazing.
1: Well, the interesting thing is that, and this this is a, a, a sort of another side to the supply chain story that is is uh, you know it's talked about, but not 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 I think it's enough. Is that a lot of this business was not on inventory. A lot of this business it was on uh, uh, on customizable inventory that goes straight out to their customization, effectively manufacturing house, mm-hmm. which was local. It was not off uh, offshore. So what they had done was they didn't commit to the inventory, they were, they, they, they were committing to only part of it. And so what we were able to do was, you know, essentially half of not half, but, but probably about 30% of their orders were actually not committed anyway, but it's just, it's just, another example of like being able to move the the data fast enough in the right way, because then you can, you can seize on sales opportunities that may be more profitable, um, without the, the upfront commitment too. That's
0: awesome. I love that. Well, Jason, I'll do that p- on e-commerce on tap. Where can people find you? Where can people learn more about the iTristan group?
1: Uh, iTristanmedia.com is uh, is our website. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Jason Agouris, A-G-O-U-R-I-S. And uh, my email, Jason, at Media.
0: Awesome. Jason, thank you again. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of e-commerce on tap. brought you you source of